Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Mariah Wagner, who's an admissions counselor at Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mariah, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure. Looking forward to hearing all about what Franklin and Marshall have to offer. But let's start by asking you, Mariah, to tell us about yourself and what does a typical year look like for a college admissions counselor? Yeah, so obviously my name is Mariah Wagner. I'm an admissions counselor at Franklin and Marshall College. Um, I've been in admissions for probably about a year now, and my territories include all of New York State, all of Ohio State, and then Western PA. So I kind of like to describe that as like Bucknell and beyond. I spent a lot of time <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, so a typical year for a college admissions counselor is really nice. It's cyclical. So um, your fall season, you're kind of traveling, uh, visiting high schools, doing interviews, just meeting with students who are kind of, you know, finalizing their process, or there are some students who are just beginning their college search. Um, and then in the winter time, you obviously get a nice holiday break, but then you come back and you have application reading. So you do application reading up until spring, and then spring you're back on the road again on a, a smaller stretch than the fall is. Um, and then your summers are pretty light again for you to kind of work on projects or do something like for me personally, I really enjoy the social media aspect of admissions and higher ed. So that's something I've been kind of working on. Um, but yeah, so it's really nice because it's always changing. And when you start to get bored with something, um, you're into your next cycle. So it's not very monotonous. Um, and you meet a lot of cool people and a lot of cool students. So that's kind of just <laughs> a little bit about me. And the admissions process. Well, thank you so much for that intro, Mariah. We truly appreciate it. And what is it about Franklin and Marshall College that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah, so... Franklin and Marshall is a small liberal arts college. I think that we definitely have 
three major pools that attract students and I think kind of set us apart from our counterparts in the liberal arts field. So the first thing I like to highlight, which gets every student excited, is our college houses. So our dorming system is not like typical college dorms. We have our five distinct college houses, um, and each of these houses have their own crests, their own student governments within the houses. They have a dean and a don who are like really supportive staff and faculty members. They have their own events. They really kind of do a lot of stuff all in this one building. And the houses themselves are actually set up to sort of be a community builder on our campus. So they give the students a soft landing into college when they arrive. The housing office has an algorithm for putting students into these houses based off connections curriculum courses, which every student has to take their freshman year. And these classes can range from anything from like Shakespearean literature to like the history of chocolate because we have Hershey like 45 minutes away. Um, (laughs) It's really anything that the student is interested in. They take their top five and then out of the 35 courses, the 35 courses are then split into the five houses. And then from there, the student is put into the house based on whichever one of their top five they get put into. And then now fast forwarding a little more, they arrive to campus after getting, you know, put in their houses and they have the actual connections course in the seminar room of the house, um, which is really nice for students who kind of don't really want to get up in the morning and get changed and get ready. You can kind of just roll out in your PJs, go downstairs and your class is right there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and it's cool because like I said, it's a soft landing for for the college students coming in. A lot of our students are out of state. Um, So these kids um, get really close with the students in their seminar because the students in their seminar are actually the people living on their dorm floor in the house. So it's an easy way to start conversation, an easy way for them to kind of build um, their social support system. Um, So I think that really sets us apart. And like I said, it also has, you know, the social events. They have, you know, Bagel Fridays and formals and just all that fun stuff. And then they also have the house government, which is basically a student government within the houses, um, which are all different depending on the houses. There's a Congress, a parliament, a president, vice president, really all these cool cool things that they can become involved in just in their living area. So I think that definitely sets us apart. And they're beautiful. If people look them up online, they're really beautiful. Um, So that's definitely the top thing that I think sets us apart. The next thing that sets us apart would be our location. Um, We are in a small city, but it is a city. Lancaster is a really vibrant, beautiful, culture-filled city with basically any food that you can imagine and any activity. So that's a huge draw because a lot of other liberal arts institutions um, tend to be surrounded by very rural areas where we actually have kind of a little bit of the best of both worlds. Cause if people, you know, are familiar with Lancaster County as a whole, we have our rural, we have our Amish, (laughs) you know, the farmer's markets and stuff like that. But the city itself actually feels like a city just on a smaller, safer scale, which I think um, definitely is a draw for students. And then lastly, I would have to give a big shout out to our Office of Student and Postgraduate Development, or we call it OSPAGOT on campus for short, because 
that's just a ridiculously long name. <laughs> so we kind of call it Ospigod. Um, but Ospigod is kind of like our career center on steroids. They do a lot of stuff for our students. Um, they really hold over 100 programs a year from things, you know, that help students plan out their next steps to fine dining etiquette, say a student has, you know, an interview over dinner, just stuff like that. They hold programs for almost everything. And then students are given an advisor from day one in this office to go to throughout their entire time with us um, to kind of brainstorm, figure out next steps, or, you know, work on internships, research, all that stuff. Aspagad kind of does everything. They do a lot of alumni networking, um, and they definitely are the reason I think that our students have very successful outcomes, just because they can provide all the resources that students need to succeed um, in their postgraduate life. Um, but it also is nice because Ospigod is something that students can come back to after graduating. It's not just one of those things where it's like, okay, you've been with us for four years, we worked with you, got you to your first job, and that's it. Uh, say an alumni comes back in five to 10 years, and they're kind of just, you know, over their job, not really feeling it anymore, but they kind of like what they're doing. They just need like a little different aspect of it. Um, they can get a meeting with an advisor and then go from there to kind of figure out next steps or who they need to talk to, stuff like that. So I would definitely say the top three things that make Franklin and Marshall appealing is our housing system, um, the city that we're located in, and then Ospigod for, you know, the successful outcomes. Well, that's a fantastic introduction. And no wonder I read a statistic that well over 90% of the freshman class actually return. So that's a testament to the great work you do in admissions, but also the community feel that you guys foster on campus. I love Lancaster, been there many times. It's absolutely wonderful. But I was really impressed with the college houses and how there's a house government. There are seminar courses that people take together. Obviously, those are great things that you do to build community, particularly for the new students. As you said, so many of them are coming from out of state. So I just think that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that introduction. Yeah, and speaking of the freshman class, Mariah, what is the average profile of the current freshman class? Yeah, so I would probably say their average GPA is a 3.8. Um, and then our SAT is around a 1300, which I believe correlates to a 27 ACT. Um, so pretty average scores, I would say, for kind of our academic rigor and kind of where we stand in the liberal arts field. Um, but I just want everyone listening to keep in mind that uh, we do not have a GPA or SAT requirement. So it's not going to be the end all be all. You can't submit your application if you have less than that. Well, I appreciate that. And what would you say to a student if they fall a little lower than the current average that you just described? Yeah, I'd definitely still say apply. I mean, sometimes you find when you're reading applications that a student may have you know, a 3.0 GPA, but they've taken 12 APs or are involved in a lot of extracurriculars 
or there are certain other circumstances um, that are kind of playing a role on their grades or their GPA. Um, certain schools weigh things differently as well. Um, so it always kind of comes down to the review process. That's why I always tell students, like, even if you had that one bad year, just apply. Um, and if you have to make a note about something, life circumstances or educational circumstances, I mean, we all unfortunately went through a pandemic together. So we are seeing a lot of that right now. Um, don't be afraid to point it out. We read everything. We look at everything. And um, Franklin and Marshall itself takes a pretty holistic approach to application reading. So I, it's not an end-all be-all. I definitely encourage students to still apply. Well, we appreciate that. And I know that Franklin and Marshall are, in fact, test optional like many other schools. A lot of people don't believe it when colleges say that they're test optional. So, Mariah, would you be able to share what is the percentage of students that apply without submitting their test scores? But also, what's the percentage of the accepted class in terms of how many of them did not submit test scores? Yeah, of course. So Franklin and Marshall has been test optional for over 30 years now. Um, and our students tend to apply test optional. We have about two thirds of the applications being test optional. But out of our incoming class for now 2022, fall of 2022, 50% of them were test optional and 50% of them had their test scores included. So it's really up to the student. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, I, like I said, always look at averages. But again, if you accidentally selected you wanted to put your test scores on or and then you decided later on you didn't want to, it's not hard to email a college and ask for it to get removed or especially if they're test optional. So it really is solely up to um, the student. And I always tell my students at least to talk to their counselors as well to see what they recommend. Well, thank you so much for sharing that data. I really appreciate it. Let's get back to student life. Mariah, what else could you tell us about life outside of the classroom at Franklin and Marshall? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Our campus has <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, we have over 100 clubs. Our students are very active. Um, one of my tour guides described it best where he was like, if the sun's up, I'm out. And he's got <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot of our students are in three to five clubs. The clubs are always holding stuff on the weekends, during the week. Um, they have a lot of events involve food because the best way to get college kids out <laughs> is to get them free food. So there's a lot of food events, especially with our multicultural um, clubs. Um, we have Fall Fest and Spring Fest, which are held by the school. We bring out a lot of food trucks um, into the quad. There's like student-run bands playing. There's Writers Fest, which is like a fun festival, um, but it's also like kind of a workshopping place. They bring in authors to do readings and workshops and stuff like that. So that's a lot of fun too. So there's constantly something going on on campus. But then we also have the city outside of us, which is like 
great opportunity if students want to work or, you know, if they just want to go thrift shopping or go see a play or go find, you know, a new food to try. Like there's really everything in the city within walking distance. And then another pool that gets students too, which I forgot to mention as well, is we have the Amtrak system, which is a train system um, within 10 minute walk from our campus. So students can get to Philadelphia, Harrisburg, in like an hour, which is really good for students if they just kind of want to get away for a little bit and go down for a weekend. It's really easy and really safe for them to just hop on the train and go back and with their friends um, can get our students to New York too. Um, so that's a really good option for students who, which you can't really run out of things to do on campus, but say they get bored of the stuff on campus, they can find stuff, you know, within walking distance or a train ride away, which is really nice. Well, we really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. And I was also curious, Mariah, do you conduct on-site interviews with prospective students? And if so, what advice would you give a student preparing for an interview? Yeah, so we actually do online interviews. Um, since the pandemic, we found that the online interviews suited our students better because it's a lot easier for them to get interviews because not everyone unfortunately can come to campus. So we do conduct those online. We have lovely admissions representatives that do those um, and they're really easy to schedule. It's kind of the same as scheduling a visit with us. Uh, but I would always uh, tell students to just be yourself. I think a lot of students put pressure on these entrance interviews because they think that it's going to be an end-all be-all, but really they're for not only the student to, you know, ask their final questions, but also for the college to make sure that, you know, like we have what's going to keep a student happy so that they want to stay on our campus. So it gives more of a personal insight to the student's life. So I always tell students, come ready to talk. Don't be afraid to go too broad because that's better than having a very short, you know, not as in-depth. But yeah, I would always just tell students to do that. Well, we appreciate that insight, Mariah. Thank you so much. And I was curious, what are the different ways that a student can apply to Franklin and Marshall? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? So we have two different types of applications here. Um, we have early decision and regular decision. Um, so I like to emphasize with early decision that it is a binding contract, not to get confused with early action, which some schools now have. Um, so early decision is an earlier deadline, which means you're going to get an earlier decision release. Um, and basically, if a student falls in love with our campus and we are their 100% top choice, we always recommend them to apply early decision um, because our acceptance rate is much higher in early decision due to having um, less applicants in the pool, but also because early decision um, shows that engagement. It shows that want to come to our campus because like I said, it is a binding contract. Um, so yes, yeah, so then we have two early decision deadlines. Uh, one is on November 15th and one's on January 15th. 
and then we have regular decision, which is also on January 15th. So my advice to students who are applying to college as a whole would be make sure that you know if it's early action or early decision. And if it's early decision and you are considering it, make sure that you have no other top choice school. You're not like between two schools because like I said, it is a contract and you do have to go through an appeal process if you are accepted and decide to go somewhere else. Um, but definitely don't, I don't want ED to sound scary um, because early decision is really good and like I said, can definitely help with acceptance. Um, but it is binding. I like to emphasize that. <laughs> well, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Mariah, can you share an example of an essay that did not leave a positive impression on you and explain why? Yeah, definitely. So I read a lot of essays, a lot, thousands of essays. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely easy to kind of check out from them sometimes if they are not a very engaging essay. Um, and I'm not saying it has to be like some crazy story, but for something like a lot of students will write about athletics or a sport that they play, which is not a bad thing, but it's how they write it. They tend to focus on like a game or, you know, spraining an ankle or something like that where they overcome it, which is great, but it tends to leave a very dry essay um, just because it doesn't really show much about the student other than kind of their extra curricular, which we can tend to see. We would like to see more about a student's personal life or how they were inspired to go into the career, career field they want to go into or something about, you know, their family, something that tells us a little more about them because we get the grades straight up. We hope that they put the activities correctly on the activities section. <laughs> um, so the essay just is supposed to kind of show us their writing skills, but that's another huge thing. If a student has bad grammar or it's written very weird where it's hard to read, that can be a red flag too. But overall, just if the essay doesn't really have sustenance to it, um, that can definitely have a poor, poor effect on the student. Understood, and we appreciate your insight. Thank you so much, Mariah. And in terms of teacher letters of recommendation, what are you looking for to help you get a better picture of the candidate? Well, first off, for any teachers listening to this, please make sure you check names when you submit letters of recommendation. The copy and paste can become very obvious. Um, so yeah, I'm going to preface with that. Um, but overall, what I look for in a letter of recommendation um, is like a personal story between um, a student and a teacher, or just to show the connection between the student and the teacher rather than um, it just feeling like, well, they got an A in my class and yeah, they're ready for college. Like, that's great. I'm really proud of that student for succeeding, but what did they get an A on? Did they do a really good project that wooed you or really stuck out to you? Something that sticks out about a student other than just putting basic adjectives um, about the student, because 
we're hoping that if they're writing a letter of recommendation, they're going to say good things. I mean, obviously, we don't want teachers to lie about the student's performance, um, but it definitely boosts a recommendation letter when, like I said, it's personal or they have examples. Understood, and we appreciate that, Mariah. Mariah, do you track demonstrated interests, and what are some of the things that students do to show their demonstrated interest? One of the things that we find students do um, to demonstrate interest is they'll come to our campus, um, they'll register for information sessions, or um, my favorite is they'll send an email, um, whether it be something like, I'm really excited to apply, I've looked into these topics, yada, 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 or say they did come to visit our campus and they had a good experience, we like for them to reach out to their representative or admissions counselor and just kind of be like, hey, again, I'm excited to apply, I just visited campus, um, just positives about the school. Um, and this isn't impossible, you know, for students who can't come to visit campus. We do have online opportunities for um, virtual visits or virtual information sessions, things like these um, that will show demonstrated interest and engagement. Um, and then all this stuff is sort of tracked online. The main thing that I definitely think sets some students apart too is the interviews. So for Franklin and Marshall, we do not require interviews um, for the application. So it's just something that if a student can fit it into their schedule, we love to see it because it puts a face to an application and a personality to an application rather than um, keeping it just on paper. Um, but that shows engagement because like I said, it's not required. So for a student to go out of their way to utilize the interview aspect of the application process really shows that they're interested in the school. Um, they also did their research because they knew that we had interviews, uh, just stuff like that. So we really look for, you know, like I said, the visits, um, the information sessions, the emails and the interviews. Well, we appreciate that. And I was also curious, Mariah, what kind of scholarship opportunities do you offer for academic achievement? And does a student have to apply separately for any of your offerings? Yeah, so unfortunately, Franklin and Marshall is 100% institutionally need-based aid, which means that we do not offer merit scholarships, um, especially with the type of students that we have applying. It's almost impossible to give merit scholarships out uh, because of the caliber that these students are. Um, but because of that, and because we would like to be able to award more money outside of just uh, need-based aid, we have actually released um, what's called a leadership scholarship. It piloted this year and now is officially going to be um, applicable to the next round of applications. Um, and basically the leadership scholarship is non-merit or need-based. It is solely based on um, activities in high school, or if a teacher or counselor highlights a student as having leadership potential, um, this is something we will mark later on. So students don't really apply for the scholarship. It's something that we as a group of reviewers um, sort of pinpoint 
through the application. So again, put all your activities on. And um, but yes, yeah, so we pinpoint it through the application, or counselors slash teachers can um, email us uh, certain students who they think would um, benefit and also uphold the leadership scholarship because the leadership scholarship does come sort of with um, requirements, which most scholarships do. And these requirements are that you have to uh, be in good academic standards. So you can't be on academic probation while you're in your eight semesters with us. Um, and there are going to be leadership building requirements. We just don't have um, the seminar set yet. So I can't really talk more on that, but we do have a scholarship. It just unfortunately is not merit. Understood, and we appreciate that insight. And this has been a great conversation, sharing so much information for students and their parents. We appreciate it, Mariah. Which leads us to our last question, which is, what are the top three pieces of advice you would offer prospective students and their families getting ready for the college admissions process? Um, the first one I would probably say is do your financial aid. A lot of people get so overwhelmed and swept up in just the application process as a whole that financial aid sort of goes on to the back burner because they think, oh, once I get the applications in, this is kind of something I can do later. Um, but financial aid is very important to the college decision process, um, not only on our college side, but for a student as well. They need to know that they can you know, financially afford going to the specific colleges that they're interested in. Um, so I always tell families, make sure you're getting your FAFSAs in. Um, I don't know, we have CSS at our college. I don't know if other schools have that as well, but just really getting financial aid in. And especially because once you get your financial aid in, if something seems wrong or a little off when you review it, it's better to get it dealt with earlier rather than later. So financial aid is very important and also just helps the offices out as a whole because they have a lot of financial aid to review too. So overall, it's just good for everybody um, and especially good for parents. The second um, piece of advice that I would offer would be tour campuses. If you can go to a campus, tour a campus, um, I think the feel of a campus is definitely the biggest pool. Um, I know when I was going through the college search myself, I was looking at majority state schools. Um, and then there were just some schools that I went to their campus and I was like, this just doesn't feel like something I would be able to do or where I would want to live. It just doesn't feel like it fits me. And I think that's a huge determining factor for students, especially for finding their top choice school, is when they step on that campus, they interact with the students, um, they interact with staff and stuff like that, that it feels like a place where they can see themselves thriving and being happy. Um, so yeah, definitely visiting campuses is huge. And then last piece of advice, I would probably say don't be afraid to ask for help. There are admissions counselors, there are admissions representatives, there are offices on campuses for a reason. There are people here to help basically all the time during the weekdays. So don't be afraid if you can't find your login password or, you know, like I said, something doesn't look like 
right with financial aid or you can't find information on the website, never be afraid to reach out. And I also think it shows sort of how the college is as a whole based on the way they respond. And I think that that's important for parents to look at as well. So when you ask for help, how fast do they reply? Um, Is it informative or did they just send you on a rabbit chase, you know, kind of thing. So I think it's really important that parents and students utilize the options and the resources they have during the college search because it's a it's a hefty process. There's a lot of options and especially for, you know, sophomores and juniors just getting into it and you have all your options open because you're not sure if you want big or small or state school private, you know, all those options and you haven't honed in on it yet. It's best to ask, always best to ask. So yeah, I would definitely say visiting campuses, um, starting your financial aid and never being afraid to ask for help. Well, those are great pieces of advice. Mariah, can't thank you enough for your insight today. I am so happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Our pleasure, and we hope to have you again soon. Take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.